and the after show. And the first show. <laughs> good morning, guys. Good morning. How's it going? Oh, we started? It's going good. Yeah, we started. I, I didn't have a yeah, good, we, clever way to start it, so. We had, a, we had a long, awkward silence, and like, uh, let's just let's just start off with a good, good morning. Well, at least two of us were looking for recommendations. I don't know about the third one, David, but two of us were looking at our YouTube uh, history <laughs> looking for recommendations. Well, you hit record. I've already got my recommendations. I'm all set. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Got my, my yeah. coffee mug is filled up. Mm. Mm. Cool. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm cool. working on three projects right now at the same time. Wow. And I know that sounds not exciting, but to me, that's exciting. It's, is that it's a exciting. New, is that a new thing for you? It is. I have just always, not always, but for the most part, done one thing at a time because I have to, I have to focus on designing and shooting one thing so that it can go on to edit and then I get on to the next thing. But if I overlap them, then they, you know, each one of them takes longer, even though progress is happening on all of them. And that's never really worked with our setup, with the people we have and trying to get videos out and everything. And now that the team is smaller... The pressure of that getting stuff just like out the door is very, very different, which is part of the intent. And so now I'm mainly working on one thing, but I have two other things kind of like I'll jump over and design on this for a little bit and think about it and order some parts. And then I'll go back to the main thing, you know, and then I go over to this other one. And I don't know. It's different for me. I I really like it. I like having 30 things to do. I jump around constantly. Do you feel, does that ever bother you, like, that you're not making enough progress on any one of them, or is it just nice to move them all along a little bit? No, I always feel like I'm moving them always. Always things get moved along. And then when I stall on something, it gives me time to stop and think about what to do, subconsciously or or consciously. What's the next move? How to do it? Uh, I can jump into my week, uh, because that leads me into, I had a huge failure this week with my bell casting. I tried to cast my first bell. I, I made a... I made an opportunity where I could make several molds because I knew that I might have a failure. My first my first try was a big failure. I poured molten brass into this mold and it just steamed up and bubbled and spit and burped. And I got a really cool casting of the bell. I can't really show it because it has an inscription on it that the, they don't want me to show yet. And I can send you guys pictures, but the, the bell itself looks really cool. But it's full of potholes and it's completely full of porosity. And, I, and my best estimate is that I didn't bake my mold long enough. My mold had a little bit more moisture in it. I put it in the kiln, but when I went back and double-checked everything, I didn't burn it out long enough. And it probably still had some moisture in it, and I didn't vent it well. But ultimately, I got a casting. If it didn't bubble up and spit, it wouldn't have been so bad. I'm going to show you guys. Mm. Oh, it actually looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, it looks, it, it looks it looks really cool, but it's got a million. It looks like sponge. It looks Man, like it's I, been on the bottom of the ocean for a hundred years. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we were all laughing about how it came out because my buddy Mike came out. My buddy Mike and his buddy Glenn. We we did like a big event. We didn't we videotaped it all, but we we didn't show anything yet. And so back to the drawing board with making the mold. And I had a tight timeline on it, so I was a little nervous. We thought we would have it to have it done because it's part of a ceremony. We thought we had to have it done by the end of September, but now it was moved to December. So I have a lot more time to take my time and do it right and maybe make a couple of versions of it. But it's a new technology. I did a lecture last night, and one of the students said, what's something that you're not good at? And I said, apparently pouring brass and (laughs) making molds because I had a huge (laughs) failure yesterday. Yeah, Two days ago, we had the failure. But it just goes back to the drawing board, just back to, you know, every every failure is, what did Thomas Edison say, is just something that's not the right way to do it. It's not a failure, it's just not the right direction. Hmm. But I, there was a couple, I was a little hasty in my, that's that's how I learn things. I just, let me see what happens. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, let me see what happens. And then, you know, what, the, the normal person would probably read a little bit, but I'm like, let me see what happens when I pour this into that. Oh, that didn't work. Let me try something else. So... I got another mold baking in the kiln. It has to bake for... I baked it for like four hours, and then I found some information on this particular material I'm using. It said bake it for 12 hours. Ooh. So I didn't... And, and it's, I baked it for four hours at like 400 degrees. 
it says bake it in the highest temperature you take it up to is 1500 or 1300 wow this particular molding material and also the, the liquid brass is somewhere around 1800 degrees i didn't have my mold hot enough i warmed it up but i didn't make it 15 1800 degrees but it's what they recommend so i did certainly did not have it that hot so now i know so was it was the brass eating away the no it would be the other direction no the brass actually poured into the mold and burped and steamed but it didn't it seemed to go into all the crevices so if, if i didn't have the burp and the steam and the porosity it would have filled up. You saw that. I just showed you guys a picture. Mm-hmm. So it did fill up, but it was bubbling, actively bubbling and spurting and burping the entire time. It only it was only seconds. It was like 10 seconds before it all stopped, but it was a big blurpy explosion when it happened. So I guess by heating up the mold more, it holds the temperature of the brass higher longer so that it has time for all that air to escape. Is that the... Um, I, that's a good question. I think just uh, it, it doesn't shock it, hmm. you know. But I did it completely wrong, so now I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking for, I have a little, I could show you guys. It's not great for a podcast, but somewhere in here is a video of it exploding. Oh, it. people can listen to us watch a video. That sounds yeah, awesome. Pod, podcasters yeah, react. Watch the podcasters react. It Look seems that. okay. Yeah, it, it is very violent. There's a lot of a lot of open flame. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Is there supposed to be, be that much fire? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was like a huge fireball came out of the top of the mold, but we were prepared. We have a, you know, we 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 stepped back. Yeah. <laughs> we were prepared. We got kind of away from it. Or whatever. Yeah, we step back. I had on my sunglasses. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like, yeah, we had fire extinguishers and we were wearing fire suits. No, we yeah. I did. We yeah. had fire extinguishers and me and Mike were holding each side of the ladle, and we we both had on welding jackets and gloves. Yeah, yeah. So I cool. Prepared. But you know, it's another step in the progress of learning. Right on. Good times. All right. Well, David, what about you? What you been doing? Uh, I I started one project that didn't come out the way I wanted it, so I moved on to another one. But I got a, a quick story um, after last week's podcast. Uh, I think like the the day after, my brother and I, and I'm only telling the story because I want to highlight my what my brother did. Uh, we we went to the small little town to go pick up some wood that was for sale on online and so we're out in the middle of nowhere around country roads and i was just telling him like i i really don't like enjoy i don't like driving on country roads especially this time of year the corn's real high you can't see traffic somebody runs a stop sign it's it's dangerous and then like two minutes later um these kids or what one kid was flagging us down and um we stopped and their truck had flipped over it happened in front of us but i didn't see it so it had to happen a couple minutes um before we got there and the driver was out he was the one flagging us down the passenger was trapped upside down in this truck and my brother who has rescue training and he was years ago he wanted to be a cop and never ended up being a cop but went through all the training he just took over the scene he he was so he was just like call 911 tell him we need the cutters or clippers or whatever and then he was calming down the kid who was out he was um talking to the other kid that was trapped and saying you know like you, you can't move or whatever and and he just super calm just took over the scene i was it looked so horrific I was so afraid to just look in the truck because I just thought I was, I thought I was going to see a, a dead body. It was, it was, mm. the truck had to roll over at least a couple times off because it was so far back. And, um, the kid didn't, he was resting on his neck. So he's upside down and he did not want to hold still. He, he really wanted out. So my brother was like kicking open the window to get him out. And then, wow. Um, Get, you know, we got him out, and like it took about ten minutes for um, the first responders um, to show up, and then a minute later, a fire truck showed up, and then another minute later, a EMS truck showed up. Um, they're high school kids, and 
during all this mess, they the they couldn't find their phone, so they used my brother's phone. The one kid was calling us, like like when we got there, the the kid that was out was just like freaking out. He's like telling his friend, "I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry." Like he was just in total panic. It was hard to have a, you couldn't even talk to him because he was he was panicking. It was such a crazy situation. And so he used my brother's phone to call his mom. I'm like, oh, mom, I'm so sorry. And I don't know what happened. And and then whatever. And my, my brother, later that night, since that kid used his phone, had uh, had his had his mom's telephone number in his phone, texted him like, hey, we were the one that found the boys. Are they all right? And it turns out like one had a fractured foot and the other one had a bruised lung and they're totally fine. Oh, good. And um, like the next day, the mother of the other kid called my brother and thanked him because they don't know how long it was country road they didn't know how long they would have been trapped there and um just a a a crazy story and just to see my brother just take charge of the situation totally calm Mm. and and help these guys out was just it was amazing i've it was the second time in my life that i've been the first one to uh, on a uh uh coming up on an, on an accident and it's just like ugh, it's so it's so bad the first time was years ago on christmas eve and i just saw a guy he must have fell asleep and he just drifted off and hit the wall on on uh, uh on a on a highway and he was unconscious but i think he ended up fine so um yeah just hmm. uh, yeah scary to see that's yeah. funny i was i was driving this morning and i was behind somebody who looked like they might have been falling asleep and i keeping an eye on them and then a bus stop so i lost them because i had to stop for a school bus but it was a little scary i was like am i gonna watch this guy drive off the road yeah that was just a, that was just a half hour ago it's crazy mm. it's i you know it's i was expecting the worst and out of the situation uh, for how many times the the truck rolled over is like the best outcome uh, you know a, a fractured foot and a bruised lung is one of the best outcomes for that and it was like a good hard reset for me because you you have those little scares whether it's at the table saw or it's like you see somebody run a red light you see an accident you're like oh yeah i'm gonna respect this this car a little bit more i'm gonna respect this tool a little bit more and it was a just one of those good a good hard reset that i think i needed Hmm. yeah yeah well um kind of related uh so last week i went to um New Jersey on Thursday. So the day after we recorded, I, I went up there and it was for this live stream I did with Scott. So it was like a sponsored live stream thing. And so I had to be there. I was flying up and back in the same day, I had to do this live stream in the middle. So I had to leave really early. I got up at 3 a.m. and had to drive to Louisville. So it's about, you know, 45 minutes, an hour away to get to the airport. And so I left the house at 3.45 in the morning and drove about 15 minutes or 20 minutes or so and then hit some traffic. There's always traffic on I-65 going up there. I kind of expected that. But it went standstill. And I ended up sitting in the same place on the highway in park for three hours. Oh. Did you miss your flight? I did miss my flight. But I had three hours to rebook another flight, so it was fine. (laughs) So, uh... While Wait, I was so sitting you, there. You, got to, you got to your live stream okay? Yeah. Yeah, there was Whoa. another... I was supposed to leave at 6.10. There was another uh, another flight at 9.30 or something. So I was able to rebook for that oh, one. Still wow. got there in plenty of time. But the thing about, <laughs> about the time of sitting on the road, it was so long, and it was three lanes wide of bumper to bumper, dead stop, everybody's in park, and people would just constantly, you know, get out of the cars and stretch and walk around and walk to the side and go to the bathroom. And it was just, it took forever. But once it started moving, uh, <laughs> we would pull forward. You could see, you know, up and around the bend over the hill, the, like everybody's starting to move and everybody's starting to pull away. And then there's certain cars that just wouldn't move and everybody starts pulling around them. And by the time it gets back to us, we're pulling around cars that are just not moving. They're sitting in the middle of the road with, like, in the middle lane with their flashers on. And so I passed by one of these cars. That again. And you could see the, no, well, I mean, maybe some of them. But I saw one person, like, with their face up against the window. squished Like, uh-huh. totally asleep. <laughs> totally asleep. <laughs> and there were more than one like that. But I think some cars probably overheated. Some may have run out of gas. 
people were asleep and people were honking at him trying to wake him up and they wouldn't so you know tractor trailers were pulling into the median to get around these cars to start moving again but once i got up to the top of the hill and i looked back i could see it was really beginning to open up but there were just i don't know four or five cars sitting in the middle of these lanes you know back the half mile or so just sitting in the middle of the interstate and i'm like man could you imagine you all of a sudden wake up and you're in the middle of the interstate with cars <laughs> zooming past you. <laughs> like oh, that's going to be, be rough. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that was my only, only related thing was, was sleeping. Somebody yeah. was sleeping at the wheel cause they got bored. But yeah, I did make it to the live stream. It was a very long day cause I had to get up early. So I only got a couple hours sleep, sat in the car for three hours, got to the airport, had to sit around for a couple hours because then I had to move the flight flew two hours had to get in a car for 45 minutes to get to the place did a i don't know an hour and a half long live stream got back in the car for an hour and a half back on the plane for two hours back in the car for an hour i got back at around like 11 30 at night it was a very very long day is yeah. there a place where we could see the live stream uh the live stream is on the scott's lawn youtube channel and um, I built a little A-frame. I don't know if I told you guys about it beforehand. Mm-hmm. I know I sent you a picture of it. but You said you had to do a birdhouse. You built a birdhouse. Yeah. So I did a little bird feeder thing shaped like an A-frame. I cut it all out on the laser, which was really cool because I, I designed it in Fusion, cut it all on the laser in pieces of acrylic, and then it was all flat packed. So I just put it in a carry-on and took it up there with me. I had them get some like acrylic cement and super glue and just put it all together right there in place and i I like kind of had a plan but didn't have a great plan for putting it together (laughs) so i'm kind of lucky that it worked out but it ended up looking really cool i was very happy with it i mean for you know an hour or so of this live stream which wasn't like a it wasn't really what i expected and this is not dissing on anything i just kind of expected there's it's a it's a long-running live stream up there in this set that they have surely there's a host or there's some something and there was not i just walked up and they were like there's a table here's your mic go at it go for it and so i'm like sitting there with all the parts going like is am i on did it start am i and they're like pointing at me they're like go no MC, no okay. MC, no intro. Cool. Ooh, yeah. That's, so that's I just rough. I just jumped into it and did my live stream thing that I've done many many times. But huh. it was uh, it was interesting. But you can go there and watch it if you care to see it. I'll probably post some pictures of the birdhouse uh, on Instagram if you just want to see that. It's probably the more interesting thing. But anyway, so I did that last week, and then um, uh, this week I've been starting those other projects I was talking about. And last time I talked about, um, I don't remember talking about this, but I got a bunch of messages about it. So I guess I did, uh, doing the Pepakura that <laughs> I, I talked about that cutting paper craft. What that? What that? Okay, maybe Remind I did. Me? How in the world? Okay. <laughs> anyway, I got a bunch of messages saying, Oh, you should try this and you should, you know, whatever. Uh, so I assume I talked about it and all three of us forgot, but I'm working on one of the things right now is uh, a very large helmet and i started with this to to build this three-dimensional helmet i started looking for a 3d model to try to figure out how to make it and i found a pepakura model so pepakura is like paper craft it's the taking a 3d object laying it flat into flat patterns you cut it out of paper or cardboard or something and then you refold it into the three-dimensional object right so there's there's like software i think maybe that's where the name comes from a piece of software but um where you can take a 3d model and it will it will create faceted flat patterns for you to use and people use this for costume stuff all the time i had never done it before and so it was definitely the fastest way to get the project that i'm doing right now started was to find someone else's templates and start from there so i found this template on um on etsy for i don't know five bucks or something and downloaded it as a pdf then i was able to take all of the normally you would print that out as a you know a pattern tape it or glue it to the thing and then cut out the material well it's already a vector so i just brought it all into lightburn 
scaled it the way that I needed to scale it, and then had the laser cut out all of these pieces, which was super fast. And I did it out of cardboard, so it's all exact, and it's all... So yesterday was really interesting because it was a lot of new stuff for me. It was it was taking patterns and putting them on light burn and then figuring out which lines needed to be all the way through cardboard, which ones need to be halfway through as a fold. I learned all the stuff about perforation and I got all these pieces cut and then I started putting them together with hot glue and everything and it went together really well. So I'm making all this progress and I don't know, it was really cool. It was like a whole new set of stuff that I have not done before, which is always exciting to me. Um, you know, it's most of the projects that I do, there's something new to me in the project, but it's not wholly new. And so far, this one has been wholly new. And I don't know, it was a lot of fun. So get to play with cardboard. And as dumb as this is, I ordered a new cutting mat and it came in last night and it's as big as my big work table. It's like a 42 by 60 cutting yeah, mat in black. Are, and I'm like... It laid it out. I'm like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> this is nice. <laughs> Possibilities are endless. <laughs> yeah, nice big self-healing cutting mat. But um, yeah, so that, that's kind of the the new thing that I'm I'm testing out, and it's working out super well. Now I don't know what the process is, other than that I know there's software. I don't know what the process is for taking a 3D model and making these patterns from it. That's pretty fascinating to me too. I don't think that would make a great video, but it is something that I want to try to figure out how to, like what that looks like and how people do it. Um, because this one went together or is going together really, really well. It's, it's, it, I don't know. It's weird to me how well. What are you making? Well, I don't, it's a helmet. I don't really want to say yet, but mm -hmm. it's a helmet. Um, and I scaled it significantly. So space balls. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although my oldest son did see Spaceballs the other day for the first time. And he, he came home, he was like, that was probably the dumbest thing I've ever seen in oh, my entire man. life. I'm like, well, yeah. And he was, but it was good, but it was really dumb. But it was yeah. good. <laughs> I'm like, yep, that's not Spaceballs. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, so I'm scaling this thing. Oh, somebody is at my house. Oh, hey. Before we just showed up. Um, yeah, so anyway, I scaled this thing quite a bit, and I was worried that, you know, the way that it's meant to fit together with kind of tab and slot stuff, which is how a lot of these work, uh, I was worried that I would have to scale those separately, and um, the, the slots, my headphones just went out, and even though I scaled the entire pattern up, the slots actually stayed unscaled or scaled. I don't know. It worked, and it shouldn't have worked, but it worked, and that was really nice. I thought I was going to have to work around the fact that I was scaling it up, but everything actually just worked really well. So that's a, a new thing for me I'm trying out and enjoying quite nice. a bit. We, got a, um, we, got we have a, a new rule a new in the rule. shop. Uh, my old cutting mat, I would do lots of glue-ups on there for some reason, just because it was convenient, and it was just full of epoxy and glue and a terrible place to, to cut on. So I got a new a new cutting mat just a couple of weeks ago, and the rule is you, we do not finish projects, we do not glue projects on top of the <laughs> new glue uh, cutting mat. They are expensive, and they are beautiful, and we yeah. no longer do that. Yeah. You know what? A uh, funny thing I do with my cutting mats, we did when we did the TV show, I ended up with about six different cutting mats. They're big. They're, I guess they're like three feet by like 32 by like 40 inches. I don't know. They're big. And they're so inconvenient unless they're actually flying on a table. So I just lay them on the floor and kick them under stuff. So in, you come into my shop, because if you lean them on the wall, they tend to relax and have a big dump, dimple in them or they, they never... You try and put them between stuff, and I never put them between plywood or anything. I just conveniently lean them somewhere where they're out of the way. So I just lay them on the ground, and people try and straighten up, and then they organize and lean them on the wall. I'm like, no, 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 they have to lay it flat on the ground because when I need them to be flat to cut on, I need to pick them up. I wipe them off with Windex or 409, and then they're ready to go. But I just plop them on the cement floor and kick them under the table. They obviously get dirty and dusty. I clean them when I need to. Mm -hmm. But by keeping them laying flat on the ground, they're always ready to be flat. But I, I really do like the big giant one. I like the idea of a big giant one across the whole tabletop. You might have to do that. Okay, so a couple things. One, your 
your new rule, David, I give it three weeks. Three weeks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and two, yeah. so the reason I bought a new cutting mat is because uh, a couple weeks ago, I had one that was on my work table, and it wasn't like as big, but it was plenty big. You know, it was left over from something else. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I did the powder coating video thing. And so I set my powder coating oven, my little Eastwood toaster oven thing, on my table to powder coat something without thinking about the fact that a lot of heat comes out of the bottom of that thing as it vents. Mm. I didn't melt it. It, like, grew a bubble. It has a hump. It has a hill in it, which is terrible for cutting mats. So, yeah. <laughs> which is why I always leave mine flat on the ground, because if you lean it on the wall, it gets, like, a bump yeah. in it. You can't get rid of the bump. So when it's not a cutting mat, it's a floor mat. exactly yeah so but it stays flat like the floor so anyway that's our in-depth discussion about cutting mats so we have a topic uh from one of our (laughs) patreon supporters and it's kind of interesting i think we might have something interesting to say about it um and i'm stalling so that i can find it because it was here a second ago this is from matt i have one more thing to say about cutting mats while you're looking the, one of the really big advantages of using a cutting mat, which people don't realize, is those lines. Oh, yeah. If you put a piece of material down, you got to use your guidelines to square yeah. it up. I, that's the best way to cut leather if I'm making a square piece of leather. I throw leather down and I use my guidelines. If they, the material is smaller than the cutting mat, you can see those lines all around it and you can cut a geometric shape. If I may, you mentioned cutting leather and I believe you're, you still work with Weaver Leather, correct? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I needed a really good straight edge that also protected my fingers from, so I don't slice my fingers Something. off. And I, I looked, and you know, you go to your typical art places. I'm like, nah, I need something. With, it's got to, it has to have a grippy bottom so it doesn't move. It has to be steel. It has to be. You can't cut steel, on aluminum. Yeah. You can't cut on wood or plastic. Do you know who has the best, biggest, longest straight edge for cutting that protect your fingers? Weaver. Is it yeah, weaver? I so I don't remember how much it didn't matter because I why I wanted it so bad it didn't matter how much it cost it was just like this is the best looking one and it's 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 the ruler it's kind of shaped like a almost like a triangle it's got a little lip on the top so you can hold it down and your fingers are away from the cutting edge yeah it is uh, I, it, another new rule in the shop is this doesn't get thrown in the drawer it gets gently placed in the drawer it's like it's a precision <laughs> instrument. Okay, since we're continuing to talk about cutting mats, I got one more thing, too. So, (laughs) I was looking up the other day. I'm, like, trying to find this one. I'm looking for one that's the right size, you know, as close as possible to the table. Because I want it to go end-to-end. It looks better. It's just easier to deal with not having two surfaces on a table, whatever. So, I find one that is, like, a little bit bigger than I needed, but I could cut it down. Which is not great, because then you mess up your lines and your, you know, your measurements and stuff. But it was it was unnecessarily cheap, and it was self healing. It was white, which I didn't want. But I was like, that, that seems like too good to be true. And so the more I got to looking into it, I looked at the same one on a couple of different sites, <clears throat> and it turned out it was just the cutting mat without the lines on it. They separately sell Ooh. the the like an insert or a thing that goes underneath it that has the grid on it, which is another you know I don't know. 40 bucks or something so just a word of warning i almost bought that one because i'm like this is a great deal it's a big mat for you know whatever the price was um but i would have been disappointed so the reason that that one was cheaper is just it didn't have the printing on it which i guess is probably Mm. perfect in a lot of situations which is not what i needed so and that concludes our in-depth discussion of cutting mats so the question that i had or we got is from matt key it's about uh partnerships Basically, long and short of it, uh, Matt works at a sign shop, has for a long time, and he and a coworker are going to be taking over the sign shop when the owner retires. And so the question is, um, how do we transition from being employees to owners? How do we balance time and responsibilities working in the business as well as on the business? Uh, It says they work well together. Um, He does operations. She does business development. So how do they split the time and how do they work together on that stuff? So I think just general, you know, partnerships, working with people. You guys have any experience with that? Any? I think especially since it's new, I think one thing that really would be important is to make a list of responsibilities that each would predominantly be in charge of. 
that doesn't mean that it's only everybody has to know everybody else's job a little bit when somebody calls in sick. But I think it's really important to maybe have a uh, a list of who is in charge of what 90% of the time. Yeah. That's one important thing to do. You write it down. I mean, it's obviously implied, but make it more clear by having it written down in an email or a document or even just as like a heartfelt poster on the wall. I think having a living document with that is is a really good idea. Something that can change, but if you lay that stuff out ahead of time with anyone, expectations on anything with anyone, then you're going into it on level footing. But if you go into a partnership Mm -hmm. thinking, well, they're probably going to take care of this stuff, or I have to take care of everything, you're both going in with the wrong expectation, which is going to end up making something there's going to be some inequality at some point which is going to lead to resentment sure. which is going to re- you know so yes absolutely agree with you having that stuff even down to the smallest thing you can think of laid out it can change but it can change because you guys are looking at it together and deciding that it needs to change but if it's just not spoken for there's a good chance nobody's going to do it and have a daily meeting, whether it's weekly or bi-weekly or once a month, about finances. Have a daily meeting once are. a month? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I meant to say an ongoing. <laughs> you know, an ongoing, like a, a scheduled meeting, yeah. whether it's every day. It could be every day, but that'd probably be too much. Yeah, just keeping the communication about finances is really important. You know, when me and Howard talk, the first thing we talk about is how much money is in the bank and da-da-da-da. You know, I usually tell them how much money I have in my bank account and... I'm broke or I'm not broke or whatever. Yeah. It's usually one of the first things we talk about. Just because he always, he always is like, "Okay, where are we? How's everything? Are you okay?" And then I just, you know, spit out whatever, and we talk at least at least once a week, if not a lot more lately, a lot more because of what's going on in Arkansas. But it's important to always have where you where your footing is, basically. First thing that I think of is when I started my business, I wanted to throw my entire self into it. It's all I did night, morning, day for a long time. It's all I wanted to do. It's all I thought about. But then you have to, at some point, you have to dial it back. You can't work all the time. It's exciting at first to just throw yourself into it, but eventually you have to have to dial it back because it's not sustainable. So just be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had a business partner a long time ago, right after college. We started a design company together. And I was definitely not the business person. I was the, I just want to do the work person. And he was the sales, you know, he was really good at interacting with people and, like, could sell anybody anything. And, you know, so we settled into this kind of, he was the outward facing person and I was the inward facing person about doing the work and you know handling the people because we ended up having employees and stuff like that. And I think that's a, a fine way to do it if that works for you. But for us, and I'll put this squarely on myself, I was not connected enough to what he was doing and what he was responsible for. I was unaware of how things were on that side of the room. And so it led to a big gap in between us about that communication, um, you know, us keeping each other aware, uh, me having a realistic picture of how the business was doing and how where the new business was coming from and all that type of stuff. And that was that was just me focusing on my part, but not being aware of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think even if you're making that, like we said before, that list of responsibilities or whatever if you are if you're kind of back to back and you're both doing things that are on the opposite sides of the room you definitely still have to be aware of what the other person is doing you have to communicate you have to be communicated to so that there's an awareness you don't have to like hold it all in your head you don't have to manage everything yourself you don't have to have your fingers in everything but i do think an awareness is really important and i failed pretty miserably at that for a long time in that partnership. And I think, How? and I think it came back to, to end up, I ended up treating that as a resentment in myself because like, I wasn't aware of, of everything over there, but it wasn't his fault. It was my fault for not, you know, not being engaged in, in everything, which is tough. Cause like you're saying, David, you're, 
tendency is to put everything you have into this new business. And I was putting all of my attention and everything into my part of the business, which that's not, that's an incomplete thing to do. So. Yeah. That's why I say it's important to have those type of conversations where everybody has their predominant task, but everybody needs to at least know what that task is. So anybody could fill in at any given Mm -hmm. moment or at least understand what's going on when things go wrong, yeah. have an understanding of it. And, you know, a lot of times you see partnerships where, just like you said, people develop a whole path on their own and they never include somebody on the contacts they have, the phone numbers of the people they're dealing with, the suppliers. Sometimes if you have a business that relies on suppliers and one person handles that and then has it all in his phone that has a passcode and for some reason you can't get it or he loses his phone or you don't know those regular people are or who... Their contacts are at those suppliers. They need to at least be introduced to everybody every once in a while. I can't remember which book this is from, but a, a while back I remember reading detail everything that you do so when you're not there, somebody else could just go to this document and do what you do. So it has all the passwords. It has all the contacts. It has the step-by-step on, on what you do. And even if there is no other person in the business... It helps you define what you need to do for that particular day. You have you have this almost guidelines of, of how to get from this point to this point, and that's going to help anybody else, whether they're a partner or just an employee in the business too. Yeah. Um, so when Josh moved on to his new job, one of the things that he spent his last couple of weeks doing was making those documents for the stuff that he did on a regular basis. You know, and we we have a bunch of now process documents. It was something he enjoyed doing. He did throughout the time that we worked together anyway. But we have these process documents that are about, um, you know, how to how to post a video. Like what all goes into getting a video out on a certain day or what goes into setting up this machine or using something this way. So we have all these process documents that now we can reference, which I think is going to be helpful for us. Another thing along those same lines is uh, in regards to the passwords and stuff. When we first started getting employees, I forced everybody to use a password manager. So we used one password just because it was one that I liked. And we have personal passwords, and then you have a team password vault is what they call it. And so everybody that's given access can get to that vault. So anytime that anybody needed to log into YouTube, they could go to that vault, get that password, and it was always up to date. And they could get to the website or to YouTube or to Stripe or to PayPal or to whatever they needed to get to. And those weren't passwords weren't just being emailed around or, you know, texted to people when they needed or whatever. Everybody had access to the stuff. And if anybody lost their phone or moved on to another job or we needed to change the password for security on something, it was it was distributed. Everything was in the right place. And so having a tool like that, you know, whatever brand, uh, that's not important, but having a tool like that to centralize access and security on the things that matter to your business, that that's huge. And it helped us quite a bit. I mean, it's a good thing to do in a family too, honestly, you and like your partner, your spouse, whatever family having that shared stuff, because even between my wife and I, I've tried to get her to use this password manager a lot. She it's just not natural for her to use, but she has access to it. That's important in case I get hit by a truck because then she has access to all of our passwords for all of our financial stuff and all of our important insurance stuff. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you can store any important information, not just passwords, in a manager like that, and you can share it with the people that need to have access to it. So that's that's a big thing. Another thing I was going to point out, I've got a friend... He's actually named Josh, too. Different Josh. Who is starting a new business right now with two other guys that he doesn't actually know very well personally. He met them through business connections, and they're a good fit, but they don't have interpersonal history. You know, it's like interpersonal history. You know how somebody's going to react in a certain situation or at least have an idea. So they don't know each other that well. And part of them trying to figure out if they're going to be a good fit to start this business together is going through some scenarios together, which I thought was really interesting. I'd never thought about this because I've never been in that situation. But they had a 
quite a few conversations, but they would kind of play out like, okay, if we get into this business, we've defined our roles, we know what everybody does. If this situation pops up, how would you handle it? And then separately, how would you handle it? Separately, how would I handle it? And you see what the overlap is because you start to find out a lot about what people value, what they're willing to put up with, what they're willing, and like how nuclear their reactions are to certain things. And so, um, you know, they were talking about hiring somebody in a different scenario and they were like, okay, say we hire this person and then we find out on their social media later on that they are, you know, into also all this stuff that we are not into. And it's like counter to our culture and counter to our values and all this type of stuff. What do we do? And that's a hard question to answer, Mm -hmm. but it also tells you exactly what the other potential partners value, you know, how, how are they going to react to something that is hard? And so I think that's a really good exercise, depending on what industry you're in, figuring out, you know, Hey, if we lose all our money, we lose all our clients, our, our building burns down. What are we going to do? How are we going to react to that? Not that you have to have an answer for everything, but it's just like some scenarios that's to see how people I never react. So doing that. I think that's a good thing to do. My mic switched again because well. the wire is broken, so I might sound different. Yeah. I'm pushing in a little closer to the computer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but um, I was—I had a stone delivery at the graveyard house, and the guy needs a check, so that's why I keep dipping back and forth. So I apologize. He's going to pull him driveway. I have to write him a check for stone steps. Exciting. I might put a video out on the graveyard house this week. It's, mm. uh, cool. Interesting. You guys will see it. But yeah, no, I think um, another thing that I thought when it comes to partnerships, it's the, the disbursement is always gets icky and weird. Whenever I've done any sort of partnership with anybody, I, I always at least start 50, 50. If roles change, if investment changes and people need to be, compensated with points or whatever that obviously is always negotiable but when you start with somebody you both go into a venture it should always in my opinion be exactly 50 50 it's different if somebody comes to the table and says let's start a business i'm going to put in a million dollars you put in nothing then obviously that's not quite 50 50 it all depends on whatever you're bringing to the table that's not physically monetarily valuable what is it how is it valuable in another way these type of things should be discussed straight off the bat but i've seen i've seen businesses start with two people where it's like it's going to be 40 60 and then all of a sudden 40 is doing a lot more of the work and they're resentful that they're getting 40 because 60 is acting like the boss and then things go south really bad so it's important to understand Mm. if it is 50 50 that's great if it's not 50 50 well if it's 50 50 i've seen it too where 50's really upset that 50's not doing 50% of the work and 50's mad all the time that 50's really only doing 30 so it's really important yeah. to check in obviously check in a lot just like a regular relationship that has nothing to do with business you gotta check in and see where we're at where we're going is everybody happy is everybody are you happy with your 2% are you happy with your 8% are you happy with your 50% are you happy with your 49% and there's always that 1% like that 1% basically make somebody yeah the boss and that could create a lot of resentments if it's not handled correctly hmm. yeah so another thing around that and this is you know somebody might not be aware if they haven't been through setting up businesses before so you have you have ownership percentage um which can be but isn't always separate from investment percentage you know, so the three of us are starting a business together. Jimmy puts in eight million dollars. I put in zero. David puts in four dollars. But we all have a third of the business. That is possible. And then separately, you can have Salaries. operating agreements that define roles and responsibilities and salaries and all that stuff. So those are, you know, they're not often completely distinct. Those three things, but they can be. So theoretically, you could have ownership. a different arrangement than daily work and potentially different from how you're compensated. So those, you know, like you're saying about the the amount of work that somebody would be willing to put in versus the investment they put in versus the, you know, maybe they, they own a piece of property that's a part of the business and that's really all they contribute. That's 
there's just different ways to set that stuff up. And as long as you're clear about those three things and everybody's on the same, you know, footing, then it's usually fine. But I've been in situations where the person that can put in the biggest investment doesn't necessarily need a salary, but the other person would need a salary because this is all he's doing and the other person is okay with cash personally. And so one of the partners has to draw a salary and the other partner doesn't. Or if there's three partners, one person gets paid more than the other because you got to keep the money in the business to keep the business alive. So if everyone's getting paid a salary, there's no money to keep the operating costs going. So those things are all negotiable. And if someone's going to draw a salary because that's all they do and the other person is the investment person and they're still 50% owner but they don't have to draw a salary, and these are all things that have to be just clearly discussed and clearly decided. Mm-hmm. And then once it's all clear and everybody's okay, I think the biggest thing is, uh, one of the biggest things is just you, you don't want any resentments. You don't want any upsets and resentments and manage expectations from beginning to end. And That's really one of the most important things is managing everyone's expectations. Yeah. And, I mean, this sounds negative and I don't mean for it to. Be willing to exit. Be willing mm-hmm. to decide that things don't have to last forever. And like businesses can change and one person can step away. The entire thing can be dissolved. And that doesn't necessarily have to be like a dramatic, mean, bad thing. Some things just don't work. Some things don't last. Some things need to adjust, you know, and and I think that's okay. But um, I know that I, in my, that previous business that I was talking about, <clears throat> I probably stayed in that way longer than I should have. I probably should have. Well, I mean, I think it worked out fine. But I could see now that I should have along the way decided to work my way out of that for the better of myself and for the business itself. Like it just would have, you know, would have worked out. So I think a lot of times, at least for me, there's a certain amount of um, commitment, pride, something, I don't know what it is about, you know, I'm starting a business and I'm going to make it work. And like anything other than success is failure. And that's not really true. That's not fair. You know, it's not fair to yourself. It's not fair to (laughs) economics that you can't control. It's not fair to all sorts of situations that are out of your control. Um, sometimes things just don't work or they don't work forever. And I think that's the reality that you kind of have to be okay with. On the positive side, there's I, I can't speak much on having a business partner, but I do miss the opportunities to brainstorm with with other people. So you, it's a great opportunity to get with this other person and talk about where the business could go, future possibilities, what your goals are. I like your goals might be different than her goals, so uh, it's best to figure what that is what where you're at now and brainstorm all the 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 crazy ideas and bounce ideas off each other yeah for sure um maybe one more thought is um and i don't really know i don't have a good scenario for this but be willing to so if you if if there's two of you and you're starting a business, taking over a business, whatever, there is a workload, right? The workload is all the different things that have to be done. And it may feel like you and a partner, that's enough people to get the work done. And if you split the work up to the best way it makes sense, it will all get done. But the reality is it's very possible that two people don't collect or don't have all of the collective skill set to get all of the work done. And that's okay. I think it's important to recognize and this is not something I'm great at but I'm trying to get better at to recognize this particular task or you know job or part of the business is not something that I do well with or I I drop the ball here constantly or I just don't have time and so even between two people you can find a lot of stuff that like you just you just can't do well find somebody else to come in and do it. They don't have to be a partner. They don't have to be uh, another percentage owner, but just be willing to offload tasks to people who can do it better than you, you know? Because I know, I understand the feeling of, well, there's two of us. We sh- we don't need anybody else. We can 
we can get all this stuff done. But if neither one of you has an accounting mind, it's the accounting still has to be better. done. It's <laughs> always know? somebody better than you. Yeah. So the task. offload tasks when you can, um, especially if you're not good at them or like you're, you just don't, you know, if you're afraid of them, but also if it, if accounting takes you away from a creative pursuit where you really excel, then let somebody else do the accounting because other people excel at that. So, yeah. Any other thoughts on partnerships, et cetera? You just really have to make sure resentments don't build. If any, however that, however you could avoid that. Yeah. That gets gets pretty bad quick. Yeah, it's hard to come back from that too. And you also have to be willing to confront anything and deal with it. You know, so you mm-hmm. really have to, like, some people you can't stretch them an inch and they'll snap and get mad. You really have to have a really like rubber band tolerance. You really have to be able to. Maybe get into an argument. You try to avoid them, but if you get into an argument mm-hmm. with somebody, you got to be okay with being like, "All right, now we're better because of that." Yeah. As opposed to being like, "I hate you because I can't believe the way you hold your coffee cup." You can't <laughs> get into those. You know, like me and my brother have been through so much together. We're obviously brothers, but I, I know I've seen brothers not talk anymore. But me and my brother Joseph have really developed all of our business since I got out of college in 1990 together, and we still do certain things together. And we've been through so many screaming matches and then we're eating pizza together laughing about something, you know, a couple mm-hmm. hours later. So it's really important to through hell or high water be able to come back to at least a, an even ground with anybody that you're in that situation with. That's a good point. <clears throat> I was talking to my daughter last night. This is semi-related, but and on the interpersonal part of it. I was talking to my daughter and she was asking me about one of her friends is is having a hard time and treating people badly. And so she was asking me, how do I go about talking to this girl in a way that she will respond to what I'm trying to to help her with, what I'm trying to tell her? And I think this would apply when there's confrontation needed in a business too. Everybody's different. Everybody handles the stuff differently. Okay. But I know that I was trying to tell her, if you go at this person there's there's drama there's tension there if you go at the person like hey you you're doing this thing and i don't like it (laughs) their guard's going to go up immediately and that Mm -hmm. is going to be really unproductive right i was trying to tell her if you go it to that person and say hey i don't understand why this is happening or make it less about like me and you and more about there's a scenario going on and i don't understand it can you help me understand why this is can you help me understand why you're upset, why you're acting this way? It becomes a lot less confrontational and more like, I'm asking a question to try to get to the bottom of something, which ultimately is going the same direction, right? But if you can stop somebody's defenses from going up right off the bat, you're going to get a little bit further along. It's not going to work in every situation, obviously. But um, it's just interesting that you said that because she was asking me a similar thing. And I think in a business, in a relationship, you're always going to have those you're going to have to have a con- hard conversation about something and you can go into it hot or you can go into it cool. Right. And that's going to change the outcome quite a bit. In any, any relationship, you don't want to go into it with a grenade. Sure. Yeah. Cause you're going to have to either go to bed with them again, or you're going to have to go to work with them again, whoever it is. <laughs> and unless you don't want to, then, then it's all yeah. bets are off. Right. That's a good way to put it. Cool. Well, Matt, I hope that was helpful. And anybody else that had similar questions, I hope that helped. Um, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters. Big thanks to them over there at Patreon. They help the show happen, and we are very grateful for everybody over there. At every level, no matter how much they contribute, they all get the after show. We're grateful for all of them, but I always want to call out the top supporters because they definitely go above and beyond and really help us out. That is Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Chad's Custom Creations, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Sean Beckner, Scott Orham, The New Janky Workshop, Stu Morrison, Warren Works, Michael Manegin, The Web Ranch Woodworks, and Crabtree Creative. I didn't mess up once. Did you hear that? <laughs> I got through the entire thing without messing up. Big thanks to them. Uh, if you want to get the after show and help out the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it and sign up. Any level. That'd be awesome. Mm. We appreciate it. 
So, do you all have something to recommend? I was looking at my history. You know what I watched a couple episodes last night with her friend? Documentary Now. You guys remember that show? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Fred Armisen and Bill Hader did a phony documentary, oh. 50 year long company that has done documentaries on things for the last 50 years. And they delve into the library, kind of like Criterion Films. It's really stuffy, but it's all phony and, and meant to make you laugh. It is hilarious. If you haven't seen Documentary Now on Netflix, I'm sure it's on Netflix or I don't even know where we watched it. But check out Documentary Now. Bill Hader and Fred Armisen, produced by the whole Saturday Night Live crew. It is absolutely hilarious. So that's what I've been watching lately. Mm. Mine is, it's a Rick Rubin podcast that's, it's on YouTube and it's called Tetragrammaton. It's a really weird name. I'm sure it means something. Um, But what hooked me was this interview, uh, Rick Rubin interviewing Trent Reznor. And it is just, it's, it was so good. It was just nice and calm. Um, I like Trent Reznor as an adult like him being an adult and like <laughs> you, 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 there, there's you know, know there's you there's the, the the whiny Trent Reznor from early 90s and and who is tortured and whatever now as an adult he's uh, he's got lots of wisdom and then Rick Rubin is just a pleasure to listen to he's so I I want to be a version of Rick Rubin when I when I grow up so it's a great interview don't don't grow up I Just well don't do it. probably won't. <laughs> um, so mine is a show I've talked about before, but it's back for second season, and I really enjoy it. Uh, it's called Welcome to Wrexham, mm-hmm. and it's it's on Hulu. It's probably somewhere else too, but we watch it on Hulu. And it's a it's a soccer documentary. So it's a documentary about um, this town called Wrexham in Wales. They have a soccer team. That is on, I believe, the lowest or one of the really low um, leagues of soccer in in the UK. And Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, these two, you know, famous rich dudes, uh, bought the club and then invest are just investing money into the town and into the club. And it's it's kind of a Ted Lasso like thing, but it's true. <laughs> and it, it, as someone who doesn't really have an opinion about famous people, like I don't care that they're famous, I don't care about Ryan Reynolds at all. It's a fantastic show. Because I thought you did have a strong opinion about Ryan Reynolds. Did you? I don't at have one time... a. I don't have a strong. I have an indifference. I have a strong indifference. Mm, okay. Let's say it that way. Okay. He's just. A, he's a handsome dude. Actually, he is a handsome dude. <laughs> I, I want to throw this out. Since I said he's handsome, I've had two people in the last month say, "Hey, you look like Ryan Reynolds," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "No, but thank you." Anyway, uh, it's not about it's not about them. I mean, the show they are a part of it for sure, but it's it's a really heartwarming show about trying to like I don't know improve this town, improve this club, this thing that's really important to all these people. And uh, whether you're a soccer fan or not, I, I think it's just a really good show. Definitely not for the kids. Language is at a is at a very very high level there, but hmm. you know it's a great show. A lot, a lot of big words Good. with lots a lot of, of syllables. <laughs> lots of short words oh, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but it's a very good show. So go check that out. You guys got anything else for this week? I got one more thing. I just oh, I did a okay. partnership with a guy named Brett. Did you guys meet Brett at? WorkbenchCon, Bob, did you meet? You, you you didn't go to the last WorkbenchCon, did you? I did not go to the last one. Oh, okay. So I met this guy named Brett, and his Instagram is... Let me make sure I get this right. I just asked him what it was, so I don't mess it up. C-A-S-C-A-D-E, create. Cascade create. At Cascade create. And Brett makes plans. And he's doing sort of a jelly smack thing where he does all the hard work, and we split the profits. And he made a website for me to do a test, and the website's up and running as of yesterday. And the website is makewithderesta.com. And on there, you can buy plans. And he's going into my library and picking whatever he thinks we should make plans out of. And I think there's five sets of plans up there right now. Some pretty cool stuff. It's going to be an ongoing 
flexible thing. We're gonna. I haven't really run the website to really double check it. It only came in yesterday, so mm. make with the rest of the plans I see. They're about five bucks to download, and you could make my apothecary cabinet, my twenty-four pack beer case, and a few other things. So nice. check it out. It's a little cool. self selfless promotion. Sorry, guys. Get it. Yeah. Done. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, we have plans too. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, no, I no, got plans. I, I got books got and David, plans. David has plans. Oh, you got his books. I'm just catching up. I'm the old man here. <laughs> I'm only 56. I mean, give me a break. Man, so old. Oh boy, don't remind me. Anyway, cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and Thank uh, you. we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Love you.